As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is brought to you by Comixology, the leading digital comics distributor. Check out the Comics by Comixology app at your nearest app store and read comics on your iPhone, your iPad, your Kindle Fire, your Android device, or on the web. Buy it once, read it anywhere with Comixology. This week's Major Spoilers Podcast Weekend Type Edition is brought to you by Jeffrey Sire, Andrea Orth, and George White who, when they were known as Mo, Larry, and Curly Joe, brought us years and years of slapstick and the occasional saw across the forehead. Which, now that I mention it, I need to go visit Steven this weekend. Remember, this one goes out to all y'all. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, 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 The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. <laughs> Welcome once again, everyone, to the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad you could join us for this issue, issue 377, the big something something or other. 377777. You know, Matthew, over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been teased with uh, Avengers versus X-Men. This big event, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess the Phoenix Force is coming back to Earth, and we've got Mutant taking on Avenger. And in AVX or Avengers versus X-Men, and that's even spun off a, a whole, I think, a 12-issue bi-weekly series called AVX versus Avengers versus X-Men versus. What's up with that? I honestly don't know. It seems like about, well, it it, it started in the mid-90s, but it's become really pervasive over the last 10 years or so. Superheroes don't fight villains anymore. They just fight each other. Didn't I mean didn't that start with like Civil War? Wasn't that like the big thing where you've got hero fighting hero? Or no. was this always one of those things well, like we are meeting for the first time? Pow, 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 pow. Now we are friends. Ha ha. Megazord. The Infinity Crusade, which is the second sequel to the Infinity Gauntlet, which right. I believe we're covering next Tuesday. Yes, correct. Next Wednesday. The Infinity Crusade had the heroes breaking up and fighting one another. Hmm. And I mean, throughout, if you go back and if you go throughout most of the setup to Infinite Crisis is Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman fighting each other. 
and it, it, it's become it's become a point where they have, especially at Marvel, but everybody does this to some degree who have you know the big shared universes. They've actually devalued the stock of so many villains so much that it seems like the heroes almost have to fight each other. Well, that's what I was curious. You know, I mean, we've gotten to the point where the new badass has to beat the old badass to become the new badass. Rodrigo, are there even villains in the DC universe that are worthy of being uh, beat upon by Wolverine or or Captain America or or Cyclops or e- even Jean Grey? I'm gonna guess you meant Marvel just then. I'm, I'm um, sorry, Marvel. Sorry, sure. Yeah, the, uh, I was just like because you know I could answer that question too. Sure, but, go ahead. Um, I I think in in the Marvel universe, I, I think you're right. I mean, when you you know DC, this is something that DC has always done a little bit better. When you're like, who is Batman's greatest villain? People go like that Joker. Mad and you say, who is Superman's greatest villain? People go Lex Luthor. But when you say who is Spider-Man's greatest villain, you will get a chorus of vulture. Some people yell out the Green Goblin. Some people yell out Doctor Octopus. Some people yell out you know Venom. Right. Those probably those three would be the biggest ones that you'd hear. Right. But some people would be like, oh, I read that arc with the tarantula. That guy was awesome. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it, Marvel in general really does undersell its own villains. You know, it basically in the Marvel Universe, there are like two major villains and they're Galactus and Doctor Doom because Magneto doesn't even stay a villain long enough to be a villain. You know, he's never a villain for more than four issues anyway. Mm-hmm, right. So you lose that. You can argue that Apocalypse on the X-Men, but not all that many people would are, are familiar with Apocalypse. Marvel villains just don't get the billing that Marvel heroes do. So in order to have that big event, you know, and 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 you could you could get away with saying things like, oh, look at this. Thor villain fighting Spider-Man. That's pretty interesting. But one, two, three, name a Thor villain. Right? Uh, the Absorbing Man. Yeah. Uh, and you his know, son, Absorbing Kangaroo Junior. Man. Right. That, the Kangaroo that, fought Spider-Man. Oh, sorry. That robot from the movie. Sandman. Right? The Destroyer. So, Sandman fought Spider-Man. Uh, damn it. Vulture, then. Right. <laughs> Vulture fought Spider-Man. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, and, and you, can, you can get into that. But again, is that thing where everybody eventually runs afoul of Dr. Doom. Right. Because he is uh, on universal on, mimetic badass. And, yes, and, on on that Reed level, Richards. he is he is the final boss of the the heroic tier of the Marvel Universe. And then after that, you start getting into more cosmic guys who aren't all that famous either. So, yeah, so, there's it's difficult for Marvel to say, look at this awesome villain that Spider-Man's going to fight, it just doesn't work as doesn't seem to work as well for them. So then, Matthew, is Rodrigo's argument right? Is the only thing Marvel really can do is pit hero versus hero? I mean, that's how the major spoilers poll of the week came about, because people were sitting there going, oh, who would win in this fight? Would it be Wolverine, or would it be Dokken, or would it be X-23? Go. Dokken? Dokken will always win because their baselines are awesome. <laughs> As for Wolverine's son, Dokken, that's another matter. See, for me, it, it, it comes across as a new kind of creative bankruptcy because it's a, it's a cry and shame that when Bendis was writing New Avengers, he took 30 
Marvel villains. And some of these guys were heavy hitters. The Wizard, Madame Mask, even guys like Chemistro, who have potential and power levels that could make them dangerous. And he stuck them together into this undefinable mook army. And so there's nothing to differentiate them now as anything other than the costumes that hung around behind the hood. Mm. They're, I mean, they are literally the equivalent of the putty patrollers that Amy Jo Johnson used to kick in the oh, chest and make them explode. Amy Jo Johnson. I know, right? Amy Jo Johnson. But you know what? And what Marvel should do? When, they should have a whole you, you, series of Amy Jo Johnson versus Missy Peregrine go. Who wins? <laughs> we do. There's our there's next week's poll of the week. Who's the winner? The American <laughs> viewing populace. But the the problem in the Marvel Universe is not that they don't have villains. I mean, they've got guys like the Living Laser. They've got guys like the Crimson Dynamo. They've got guys that they've punked out, that they have Vince McMahon into the ground and made into jokes who could be earth-shattering threats. But because of the way Marvel, uh, basically Marvel's theory for the last 15 years has been, okay, we need a new book. Who from the 70s doesn't have a book? Okay. Are they from the 80s? Well, they must be in a team of four or more. So Rocket Raccoon, you get to be in a team with the Guardians of the Galaxy and Starhawk and Adam Warlock. And you over there that used to be New Warriors, you're in a team with... Uh, the middle girl from Power Pack, who's now a lesbian, and uh, the guy who used to be the Green Goblin. Okay, let's put him in a team. Now, what are we going to have him do? Um, well, let's see. Who's a villain that people recognize? Ultron. Great. Punk him out, and let's make a six-issue limited series out of it. Well, this is... it... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to vent. Go ahead. Um, But, see, that's the thing. That's one thing that I feel that Marvel kind of perfected. The whole, oh, we've got heroes who are really kind of crappy. Let's clean them up and put them in the spotlight. Um, you know, it's what they did with, you know, and, and, and maybe my, my crappy comment was a little bit much, but, but take Iron Fist for, for example. Yeah. Iron Fist has been a man out of time for the longest time, ever since he was, he debuted in the seventies and people were like, oh, this is awesome. He has never fit into the universe again. And it took somebody going in and saying, well, let's just rewrite the universe to fit Iron Fist yep. to make him awesome again. Um, same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, same thing with the, with Nova, you know, Nova was hanging out with the crappiest of crappy teams on purpose. Cause that's what the new warriors were. They were like the B team of the B team and, you know, yep. nobody wanted them. So they joined their own team in, in universe. Yep. Um, and they made him the center of the biggest cosmic confluence ever and a highly successful book for Marvel. So as far as bringing their own heroes out of the bench and into the spotlight, they've done mm -hmm. that really well. They Name the villain quite... of Annihilation. Uh, Annihilus. Okay. Name <laughs> the villain of the Annihilation 2. No idea. Okay. Um, Wasn't it those Scourge and Army, whatever they were? The bug guys? With the exception, the that, was, that was the yeah. first yes. one. That was Annihilus' oh, army. Okay. With the exception of Taskmaster, who then kind of ended up, well, I mean, he's kind of a free agent. But with the exception of Taskmaster, Marvel has not been able to do the same thing with a villain. Yep. But they they have historically been able to do this. And back in the day, and I'm going to go there, but well, Marvel okay. Team Up sure. came out every month. And every month, Spider-Man fought 
some villain with somebody in the Marvel Universe, and they made a villain. And with varying degrees of success, those villains had plans. But those villains were always played as at least competent or competent to the point where their threat could mean something, even if they were just robot versions of Mark Twain that were going to, you know, overrun a city in New Jersey. Right. And I'm not making that up, I might add. I believe that's a Marvel team up number 129, Spider-Man and the Vision. But even if it's something that silly, the conflict came from a point where there was character, there were characters working against other characters and we perceive them to be villains. Now, they give that villainous role, that conflict role, to another hero. So Cable's going to beat up Captain America. Well, if you love Cable, then I don't know if you want to see Cable beating up Captain America. And if you love Captain America, you don't necessarily want to see Cable beating up Captain America. Sure, it's a question of everybody wants to see who'd win, who's stronger in a fight. The right, sure. Superman. But I mean, part of the reason, let me ask you this, is part of the reason why the villains are gimped, is it because of power creep of the heroes? Have the power, have they become so powerful that they basically have become the Silver Age equivalent of Superman without flying through the sun to clean their Captain America shield? I mean, is Captain America more powerful now to where villains don't really mean anything to him? He's not more Captain America specifically is not more powerful, but he's more infallible, I think. Right. That's that's a problem. Captain America used to be a guy who, you know, would throw his shield and sometimes he would miss and he would have doubts and he would have fights with Iron Man. And now he's the guy who throws it once and takes down five villains, including the living laser, catches it on the rebound. And stands there with a pose that says, I'm sorry, I can't hear you over the sound of how effing awesome I am. And then that's the same way with everybody, same with right? All of the major players. Wolverine, yeah, well, Iron Reed Man. Richards. Reed Richards has to be the smartest person in the room. Spider-Man has to be the, you know, the coolest person in the room. Wolverine has to be the most deadly. Luke Cage has to be married. <laughs> the blackest. <laughs> I mean, let's that's, face it. You know, well, I mean, he's a cool character, but... Yeah, he he is basically Marvel's high profile black lightning type. Yep. He's he's basically that guy. But that doesn't necessarily make the characters less cool. And I think that for me, some of the most fascinating Marvel Universe stories of recent years, what pops into my head, Jessica Jones fighting the Purple Man. Mm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Baron Zemo undermining the heroes by creating his own quasi-fascist superhero team Yes. when the Avengers are out of town. Brilliant. Epic. You know, you look at these moments, and for me, Civil War, and to some degree, the, the gimmick of, oh my god, hero fights hero, is starting to get played precisely because it feels like a desperation move. It feels like, well, I don't have time or the skill or, you know, the resources that it would require to build, say, well, just right off the top of my head, who's the villain of Schizom? Oh, wait, Cyclops. Um, it, they don't have the time to take a villain mm-hmm. like, say, I don't know, uh, uh, the new villain in town and his name is Schizom and he has the power of Bill Cosby. <laughs> so they don't have time to build Schizom up as being this infallible villain. So what they do is they take the existing 
framework of Cyclops and say, well, you could see Cyclops as a villain over here. And from a perspective, you can see how it is more grown up and more realistic to say that, yes, the heroes will not always be on the same page. But Cyclops right now is at odds with Wolverine. He's at odds with Professor Xavier. He's at odds with the Avengers. He's at, uh, I think, I think he's, does Cable still hate him or no? Cable may not hate Probably. him. I thought I saw him punching Everybody. each other on the cover of something. Well, and he threatened to murder the mayor of San Diego. <laughs> so, I mean. He, he and Storm must be uh, getting along okay. Oh, that's an alternate universe version oh, of Storm. It's not dang it, Storm. Marvel. Why do you keep doing this but, the makeout sessions don't count because those two are big, flashy, hey, look over here right. moments to hide the fact that the Emperor has no pants. Sure. Well, and and that that brings up another uh, thing, which is that, uh, you know, like characters making out, characters fighting is this uh, this thing that the fan base develops. That's mm-hmm. why you have so much uh, fan fiction revolved around you know, what if Luke and Han fought each other, right? Mm-hmm. What if Mulder and Scully finally got it on, right? Ouch. Exactly. And and how detailed uh, Scully's uh, panties are. Right. Um, <laughs> They're wrong. So, uh, and you have does that. does not wear detailed panties. The, you know, there's a, there's a, there used to be uh, ways and, just as cheap ways that the uh, comic book writers would do that. You know, mind control, alternate dimensions. That is a way where how you can see Cyclops piss off Professor X and then go make out with Storm, which isn't the status quo. You know, that's that's not what people want things to be like. But but secretly, or maybe not so secretly, people want to see that. People want to see, you know, who would win in a fight between the Hulk and the Silver Surfer. Um and this this current idea of you know heroes disagreeing on moral issues sort of um uh, gives us that that out to to so that we can say well captain america is still a good guy he's just for liberty and iron man is a good guy he's just for uh security but those two issues are going to come head to head and there is going to be a fight in which Black Goliath dies. So what's the solution, Matthew? Get back to fighting the villains or is it a is it too much of a lost cause at this point? Nothing is a lost cause. And I th- I, I don't think that there's anything wrong inherently with the heroes having those moral dilemmas and fighting other heroes. I think that there are two factors at play here. One is the worry about what the fans want to see and the fans' entitlement saying, well, they should write what I want to see because they really shouldn't. Because what I want to see is not necessarily going to sell the kind of comic books to keep the comic, keep the comic book companies functional. Well, but more importantly, there's a second line to it, and that line is simply having a notion that this feels more grown up because the characters are arguing on a different basis. This hero versus hero moral stand thing is, quite frankly, the same thing as 
when Nova showed up in New York for the first time and Spider-Man fought him thinking was a villain. Right. It's not really it, it's it's not really anything more than a tool, a trope, if you will, that you have to be able to work into the story. There has to be more to the story than and then Peter Parker takes his mask off. There has to be more to the story of, you know, and then there were 57 different Reed Richards. Right. The first one didn't have much more. The second one, when you see the 57 different Reed Richards and you read that story, you're like, holy crap, the reasons why and what comes out of it and what happens next are just as important as that big, that big blam, that moment of dun, 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 57 Reed Richards while Spider-Man takes off his pants. I mean, mask. That's an entirely creepier image than I intended. (laughs) But you, you have to do something with it. X-Men versus Avengers versus, first of all, is a terrible title. Sure it is. Yeah. But, but X-Men you know what? versus Avengers colon versus is problematic for me because it's all about the fight sequence. It's right. all about Wolverine's going to fight Steve Rogers. Marvel has even said, we know that what this is what it is. Tom Brevoort came out and said, hey, you know what? This is the series that has the least connection with the overall story. But we understand that it's fan service and it's probably going to sell through the roof. We know it. That's the problem that I have is that they're creating this and just going, yeah, we know that it doesn't have a story, but we know you're, it's going to sell millions because you just want to see Wolverine and Captain America or Scott Summers and Captain America or Iron Man versus Magneto. Get it on. Fight it out. Duke it out. So to me, it just becomes a money. To me, it becomes a money grab when you do a, a gimmick like this. You know, let's make Superman and Batman fight, and giving you the DC equivalent. That happens like once every four or five years, and it's a gimmick, right? I don't see huh? Green Lantern and Aquaman punching each other out as a money grab. But you always see Green Lantern fighting. You always see Green Lantern fighting Sinestro. Right. And one of the big things that's been coming up in the last five years is Green Lantern disagreeing with and being head to head with the Flash. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rodrigo, what were you going to say? Um, I think it's okay. I think it's it's okay that they're trying this, but I, I feel that this has all. Re- I mean, there's already been a lot of this, you know, uh, Cable changes the future, and now Bishop, an X-Men, has to come back and hunt him down. Captain America and Iron Man disagree on uh, capital gains tax. Um, <laughs> you know, the we get to the, the planet that the Hulk is in, and all of a sudden we see that his next opponent in the arena is the Silver Surfer. You know... We've we've seen this over and over and over again, and it's it doesn't have that punch anymore. So this could finally be that nail in the coffin that says, you know what, we're kind of after seeing 10 issues of nothing but a fight between the major non-mutant heroes of the Marvel Universe and the major mutant heroes of the Marvel Universe, just fight it out, beat each other up. And then after that, we can move on. I- I'm okay with that if that's what happens. Okay. What is the Phoenix Force going to do? And either of you want to make a, a speculation? Why it's going turning to possess to- Hope Summers and turn her into Jean once and for all. All right. And then we're all going to go, Gasparuni, Jean is back, i.e. 
Um, I would like to see something kind of like in the uh, DC versus Marvel thing where Wonder Woman picked up Thor's hammer. Mm-hmm. I want to see the Phoenix Force pick somewhere, so, someone else. Hopefully, um, Hawkeye, which would be just totally redonkulous. All right. There you go. You know, I was just uh, over at Comixology.com. And did you know that they have a lot of great titles over there that you can buy? For example, the brand new Amazing Spider-Man, what is it, 678 that came out this week? I think it came out this week. You can pick that up over at Comixology.com. And if you want, you can read it right there on the website. But here's the cool thing, Matthew. Whoa. Here's the cool thing, Matthew. Let's say you want to steal your daughter's iPad and snuggle down in bed and have a good night reading of comic books, but your wife doesn't want the the light on. You can read that same comic book on your iPad and you don't have to buy it again with a comics by comiXology app. You buy it once, you read it in multiple places, could be on your Kindle fire, could be on your Android device. I know you're a big Android fan there, Matthew could be on your iPhone, Rodrigo. (laughs) Mm -hmm. buy it once read it anywhere even read it on the website (laughs) even read it on the website buy it once get it anywhere it's no wonder that comiXology has become the leader in digital comics distribution and we want to thank them for sponsoring this episode nice uh what is the deal what's the deal with the venture brothers what's the deal with airline food i mean come (laughs) on You know, every time I fly... And hey, what's the deal with Oprah? Well, her show's over. She's fat, she's thin, she's fat, she's thin. Hey, pick a body and stick with it. Uh, You know, I've never watched... I think maybe I've watched one episode of the Venture Brothers. Why is the Venture Brothers so great beyond the fact that it is a spoof of Johnny Quest? Okay, stop. It's, It's not a spoof. It's not... It's an homage. Well, why? Ha- oh, okay. I see. There's a difference. Indeed. Ah, okay. So that's how yeah. come the porno industry hasn't been sued by George Lucas for Star Wars Triple X, a porn <laughs> parody. Well, they put parody clearly in the title. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Here's here's the thing about the Venture Brothers. I will go on record now as saying that I originally hated the thought and concept of the Venture Brothers. Because the first Venture Brothers episode I saw was the one where Ray Bannon died. Right. And Brock Sampson, who is, you know, a Ray Bannon-type character, he's like Ray Bannon turned up to 11. Right. Was... was My head in- of a lector? <laughs> Don't make me come up with it. Tell me, Rodrigo, do you have any Gordon Lightfoot CDs? <laughs> I'm going to eat your brain on a raisin bagel with a bottle of Sunny D. <laughs> Now, what was I saying? Oh, Patrick Warburton. Yes. I, I hated the fact that Race Bannon died and that this character who was basically Race Bannon uh, on steroids ran around and, you know, was part of it. And then I started, you know, watching the show going, oh, I hate this. But that, that, that okay, that was kind of cool. But I hate, I hate, uh, oh, that holy crap, what was that? Uh, that was, uh, and then I got to, I think the episode that sold me was uh showdown at cremation creek and what happens in that episode and show showdown at cremation creek well showdown at cremation creek i think it's either the first or the second season um ender 
But it's this big battle where there's there's a supervillain called the Monarch, and the right. Monarch wants to be big time. Right. The Monarch can't be big time, but he has this huge hate for Rusty Venture, mm-hmm. who is the father, Doc Venture, of the show. And Doc Venture is a terrible, terrible superhero. He's like a secondhand superhero who only has anything at all because his father was was an actual action guy. But the monarch hates him. And so the monarch tries to capture and, you know, kill his children. And these bizarre things start happening. And it turns out that the monarch is operating without a license (laughs) from the Guild of Calamitous Intent. So he's not legally a supervillain. So the Guild of Calamitous Intent starts attacking him. And throughout the season, we have this thing where he has these butterflies. He's the monarch. He right. has these butterfly-themed guys who follow him around, and notably uh, uh, number 24 and number 21, who are just right. these mooks. Right. Well, the, during this battle, Brock Sampson grabs one of the butterfly outfits and starts flying, and all of the butterfly guys are like, holy crap, we can fly? <laughs> so Brock <laughs> leads the monarch's guys into battle, and it's this endless fight. And it, part of it turns out to where the leader of the Guild of Calamitous Intent, who, by the way, is David Bowie, <laughs> shows up, and and he's fighting the monarch. And the monarch and his his number one uh, doctor girlfriend, who is now Doctor Mrs. The Monarch, right? Doctor girlfriend and the monarch have this huge, you know moment where they they realize they love each other and uh, throughout all of this thing all this wacky stuff is happening and the venture brothers aren't really involved in this much at all uh the older venture brother is is pretending to be one of the guys and the other one is i think on drugs or something but throughout the whole thing it's this send-up but a loving send-up and a a really psychotically brilliant loving send-up of everything that i love about superhero comics about superhero movies there's a, a running gag in the season three. I think they're up to season four now. In three, in season three and four, there are the there's this back plot about a group that's outside of good and evil. They're not part of the guild of calamitous intent, which is such a Rodrigo name, I might add. But Thanks. they're not they're not superheroes, and they're called Sphinx. Sphinx. And they, they, whenever we see Sphinx, they're doing this flat out G.I. Joe homage, like 80s G.I. Joe. And they're led by uh, Hunter Gathers, who is basically Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> but whenever you see Sphinx, you see these characters, you know, you see the, the sailor and the ninja and all of these guys running around. And it turns out that their sailor, uh, who is a parody of G.I. Joe member Shipwreck, is called Shore Leave. Nice. And Shore, Le- Shore Leave is openly gay and proud of it. <laughs> And Shoreleave is fabulous. So in one episode, it's just Shoreleave and Brock Sampson in Sphinx, Sphinx outfits. And they have to break into this villain's lair. And Shoreleave is like, okay, I'll go in. I'll be the distraction. And then you come in and wham, Brock Ness monster all over the place. <laughs> so he goes in, he comes through the doors. He's like, excuse me, is this the lavatory? And then he starts shooting people. And in the middle of this battle, huge, beautiful combat sequence, fully animated. Shore leave is spinning around going, yeah, that's right. This is happening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> completely in the, the voice actor loving it, the character in character loving what they're doing. E- even the characters and really the overarching theme of the series is failure. Rusty Venture yeah. is a failure as a father. He's a failure as a superhero. 
the monarch is a failure as a villain. It's these characters who are literally failures at everything they want to do, still managing to muddle their way through and find, you know, little bits of awesome in their life and little things that only they can do. Rodrigo, would you like to add something to uh, Matthew's lavish praise on the Venture Brothers? <laughs> Definitely. Um, I think that, um, you know, if you look at a show like Robot Chicken, Robot Chicken has things that are like, what happened to the uh, cartoon characters of the 80s? Oh, look, Lion-O is a deadbeat dad. Oh, look, Jem is turning tricks. Oh, look, right. the Transformers are dead or something like that, right? And not not to not to crap on Robot Chicken. It's it's funny, and I li- I really like Robot Chicken. Actually, they have some really creative stuff. But the Venture Brothers manages to take that parody, um, and I do think that I mean you can you can simultaneously you can be a loving parody of something. Yeah, they can they take stuff like Johnny Quest, pulp, um, superhero stuff. You know that the the. the uh, the stand-ins for the Fantastic Four are so disturbing, so <laughs> disturbing, um, and hilarious at the same time. You know, um, the the you have the you know think of any trope in sci-fi: the boy genius, the creepy albino, mm-hmm. the mystic, the psychic, the mm-hmm. you know the unstoppable villain, the right. uh, the brilliant second in command of the not so competent leader. Right, the, the, the super the, sexy uber villainous with the sexy glasses. Yep, the 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 super sexy Russian double agent, the <laughs> evil the evil League of Evil. You know yeah. all of this stuff, all of this, all of these great tropes in uh, superhero books, science fiction, and fantasy, and yep. you know, kind of a, a, in your modern settings, um, all crammed into one show and all given a really skewed treatment on mm-hmm. on top of that and 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 really cleverly handled yeah um few things have blown my mind like the like season 2 the the plot twist at the end of season 2 i think is is what it was it just yeah bleh. um so even and from a continuity standpoint it's it's really worth watching because I've introduced a lot of characters and now they're mm-hmm. at the point where they're going back and exploring the origins of a lot of these side characters who started out as jokes but have mm-hmm. now become intrinsic to the the Venture Brothers universe and have have their own reality and mm-hmm. when they make a joke like there there's a running joke where Dr. Girlfriend who is this literally gorgeous character she is a very very shrewd woman she would make an excellent supervillain, and she's played as you know the the bond girl the super sexy villainous and her voice is a parody of harvey firestein mm-hmm. right. so there's a sequence where dr girlfriend somehow we're in the ladies room dr girlfriend walks in and and somebody's like can i ask you a question she's like yes i belong in here i just have a very deep voice that that moment, that frustration in her voice and in her character gives you so much depth and so much understanding of, you know, Sheila, Dr. Girlfriend, that you wouldn't normally get in a superhero tale, especially not for the villains, you know, the villains Lancer, basically. Mm-hmm. You, you don't get that. But in, in this universe, it's I mean, it's it's part and parcel of it. Everybody has 
a huge backstory. You know, an episode episodes are about just the strangest thing. In one episode, uh, Dean, I believe it's a slightly elder brother. Dean goes to New York to, to do an internship. His father goes with him trying to sell a Broadway musical. Nice. And in the subplot, the Broadway musical basically attracts a superhero based on Spider-Man voiced by Nathan Fillion, who yeah. loves the music and ends up ends up collaborating with Dr. Venture to try and make this Broadway musical. And it's just these little throwaway bits of uh, the brown the brown tarantula or whatever his name is and Dr. Venture trying to write the next big Broadway hit on a Casio keyboard in a in, you know an alley in Brooklyn. Right. Right. You had me at David Bowie. David Bowie. David uh, Bowie, by people, the way, is a shape-shifting supervillain. Ah, a lot of people say, Stephen, don't you ever watch TV? How can you have never have seen Community? How can you never have seen Venture Brothers? What was the other one that you guys tried to convince me to watch not too long ago? Oh, uh, Rodrigo tried to get me my, to watch. My Little uh, Pony. My Little Pony. My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, yeah. And the other by one. By the way, Friendship is Magic is awesome. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've got, uh, I've got a four-year-old and we basically, uh, we don't watch that much TV to begin with. And if we do watch something, it's usually something he's interested in. And so it's Ben 10, Symbionic Titan. And we watch a lot of reruns of those, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I'm also all over uh, Vimeo and all over YouTube watching stuff on there. So, uh, it's real funny. People were asking me the other day, Oh, did you see that, that awesome g- football game over the weekend? I was like, no, I was too busy working on major spoilers. Uh, so there's a lot of things that preoccupy me from seeing shows, even though some of these shows have been out four or five, six years. You got to remember my kids also what is, bordering four or what five is years. What is foots, ball, ball? <laughs> it's actually a hand egg, but, uh, you know, for whatever reason they call yeah. it football. Oh, uh, Kill the guy so with the ball. at the time of this recording, which is Tuesday night and it's right now midnight East coast time, Wikipedia has gone black in opposition to uh, SOPA and PIPA. Uh-huh. And if you go over to Wikipedia, you will notice, especially Pippa? the English. <laughs> yeah, not Pippa Middleton. I'm, I, I support her. Um, yeah. uh, I'd like no opposition her. there. <laughs> no opposition you know there. You know what I mean. Um, but uh, but uh, now Wikipedia has gone black. And if you go to Google on this day... Uh, Google, dis- you know, Google is still there. The search engine still works, but the Google name, they've got a black box around that. Uh, I know that there are some other people that have said we're not updating our sites on this day. Uh, I've seen people say that they're going to take their entire site down and just leave it black for the day. Um, effective or not effective? I was surprised uh, Amazon well, didn't do anything. Facebook. Hasn't looked like they've done anything. I think I, I think it's effective up to a point in that it, it, at, at this point, all they're trying to do is raise awareness sure. of uh-huh. something that a lot of people may not be aware of, you know, or that a lot of people may not fully understand. I think we've all heard about SOPA and, and what it is, but right I, I, I think that from the perspective of getting people's attention, having Wikipedia offline for 24 hours mm-hmm. is probably going to make more people aware of this than virtually anything else. Yeah. I will point out that I'm looking right now at the Wikipedia entry for Los Hermanos Venture. Es una serie llamada Señor I don't know that word. Estadounidense? Yep. So, in any case, 
Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's definitely, it's a good, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step toward awareness, which is what we really need. Okay, Rodrigo, any thoughts? Well, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's good to see Wikipedia saying, you know what, no, this is not going to fly. And then basically, uh, you know, obviously it's just a gesture, but it, they're, they're saying here's a taste of what the world would be like if, if this goes into effect. You know, here's, here's what would happen if, um, any company that feels that maybe you are not, uh, that, that, that feels like you are using something that they have copyrighted and not the way they want can just flip a switch and disconnect you. Right. Mm -hmm. There have, um, I've, I found a comment by Scott Kurtz and I don't know who all or know of all the sites again at the time of this recording, which is recording Wednesday morning. Uh, for those of you that are listening in the future, uh, the day that this event is going to happen. I don't know what other sites are participating, but I did find a Scott Kurtz who does PVP online. Um, I found his comments very uh, interesting. Somebody had asked if he was going to participate and shut down the site, uh, and he had some real interesting comments. His first comment was, uh, shutting down my site won't stop SOPA, but it will negatively affect my month. Um I will not be blacking out my site, but I am going to post strips uh, later, you know, to stop SOPA. Man, if only there were some channels in which we could officially let Congress know how we feel uh, uh, without result, resulting, uh, resorting to Internet stunts. And wouldn't it be better for sites with a lot of reach to stay up and just post something about SOPA to raise awareness? And well, that, that's certainly a know, point of view. Yeah, that certainly is a point of view. And, you know, I would agree that SOPA is probably something that's not going to to pass. Even uh, uh, the president has said that if it comes to his doorstep, he's not going to sign it. He's going to veto it. Uh, the bigger problem, though, is the PIPA, uh, the Protect uh, Internet. What is it? Protect Internet Pro uh, Intellectual Property Act. Uh, that one is just about as bad as SOPA. And a lot of people aren't making a big deal about that. Uh, mainly because people aren't aware of PIPA as they are SOPA. And so if SOPA fails, there's still a pretty good chance that if people don't let their congressperson know or their lawmaker know uh, that PIPA is also not a good thing, that that one could slip in and just do as much harm as, as anything else. So uh, I would say go over to Wikipedia. Well, again, today that you're listening to it, I would say go over to Wikipedia and be aware and informed of what SOPA is. Uh, so there, there you go. Mm. Rodrigo, any uh, big major thoughts you want to bring up this week on the show? Um, I finally got a chance to play Skyrim. Oh, yeah. What'd you think of that? It's fun. I mean, you know, the <laughs> the, the biggest, I, I think the biggest <laughs> thing that Skyrim has going for it is, uh, well, it has two things going for it. One, it's really solid. It's like there appear to be no bugs. It's a game that is all about exploration. Right. And going wherever you want and doing whatever you want. You can literally pick up anything. You can fill your inventory with everybody's baskets and pots and pans. If, if that's really what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but on, but usually in games like that, that are that permissive, you, you start finding a lot of bugs around and Skyrim doesn't seem to have them from what I, from what I've managed to see. 
there probably are bugs here and there. It is a massive game, so right. chances are something slipped by somewhere. But in the general engine, there doesn't seem to be. Excellent. Um, the other the other thing that it does well is it it's a low fantasy game to a large extent. There isn't your character can do magic from the beginning, but there isn't a lot of magic going around. There's a little bit of alchemy and there's a little bit of like enchanting weapons and armor, but there really isn't a lot of that going on. And then a dragon shows up and, you know, in other settings, there's like, oh, look, a dragon, you know, there's, you know, in the uh, there's settings where the main character rides around on a dragon, right? Here, it's like, holy crap, how could anybody defeat this thing? How is it possible that there is such a thing in this world right. that is crazy? You know, which is something that it does really well. The the, te- the the theme and the tone of the game is really well put together. Excellent. That so said, you're going to continue to play a, it? Or? A, um, I will... Uh, whenever my uh, my girlfriend lets me, because she's borrowing it from a friend, and, and she's the oh. one playing it okay. mostly. Um, but uh, the one thing that it has going against it is that it's a pretty standard exploration game. You know, there's lots of cool things. There's lots of things you can do. But in the end, you go into a dungeon, you fight some monsters, you find a thing, and you then you turn that thing into a cool helmet. Understandable. How many um, slices of the old meatloaf are you going to give Skyrim at this point? Um, I'll give it. I'll give it three and a half. It's it's really solid and just an incredibly incredibly easy way to just waste hours and hours because <laughs> you can go and you can fight things or you can sit there and mix this ingredient with this ingredient to make a tiny minor potion of increased perception and this ingredient and this ingredient and make a minor potion of something else. Yeah, boy. You can just spend hours and hours doing that. That's what I'm afraid of. That's probably why I won't get into it. Same reason why I try to stay away Mm -hmm. from World of Warcraft because once I go in, Mm -hmm. everything else goes away. And I've got children that need attentions. Say goodbye to your family. Say hello to Klaus. Although the boy, he really does like World of Warcraft. About every time he comes down here, he's like, Dad, can we play that one game with the dragons and my and my guy, Mr. Longsword or whatever? I forget what we called his guy. Um, mm-hmm. but he's always wanting to play that game. I'm like, nobody, because if we get sucked into that, we will never return. Never yep. return. So we're very careful Aww. about that. All right, everybody, that uh, pretty much wraps it up for this week. I want to thank uh, Comixology for being a sponsor of this episode. Comixology is the leading digital comics distributor. Check out the Comics by Comixology app at your nearest app store and read comics on your iPhone, your iPad, your Kindle Fire, your Android device, or on the web. Buy once and read anywhere with Comixology. And be sure to tune in or download Episode 378, the next Major Spoilers podcast episode, because we will be reading the Infinity Gauntlet. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we like Infinity Gems, and we will talk with you real soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. 
Fat Dick's revision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun be in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers It's copyright 2012 When you visit Arizona Time is measured in moments Not minutes like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.